0: The law was given on the basis of the way that the measure of love that God would use to be able to judge the people that kept the law and the way they would be able to express it to others. It was built upon this principle, love thy neighbor as thyself. And actually, their neighbor would have not been the Philistines, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. It would have been Jewish neighbors, so they all kind of lived in a tribal order and a communal thing. So that was the basis of the law. This is where God founded it. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, I write you or bring you a new commandment, which is not based upon love your neighbor as you love yourself, but love them more than yourself. That's why this is totally unattainable. Completely unattainable by any person other than God Himself. Amen. Human beings cannot love like that. Oh, people can be able to reach out and give a little something to somebody that they don't know. And you know, it is a Christmas time. All the people standing around jingling their little bells and will you help the poor and will you do this and that and the other? I don't want to see it a week before Christmas. I want to see it three weeks after. The Lord wants to see it every day of our life that we live like Him. In that awesome love. God bless you. Hope you all are doing well today. What a beautiful time it is for us to be together here in this January. I say we take advantage of it every time that we have the opportunity, don't you? We know before long, snow and ice will start moving through and it's going to cancel us and this and that and the other. And I hate it so bad, I can hardly stand it, but we'll have church as much as we can and just be mindful of that. First John chapter four, verse 16. I greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus and trust the Lord will help us today as we endeavor to look into his word. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. Now remember, Satan cannot love. People who serve him, he doesn't love them. He hates them. It's the foundation of his kingdom. Can you imagine the turmoil in hell every day? His kingdom is built upon rebellion against God's word. It must be awful in hell every day. The prophet told us the reason that there's wars against nations, all this going on between... Um, Israel and you know Hamas and Hezbollah and all that sort of stuff you understand what does all that demons over these nations are fussing and arguing and fighting with one another and they take people as their instrumentality to raise up all this war it must be awful down in hell every day notice John says in the love that God hath to us God is love He that dwelleth in love. If you notice, John doesn't say he that's got a little bit of love dwelleth in God. But he that dwelleth in love. I love the meaning of this word. Abide, remain, continue to remain, not to depart, to continue to be present, not to become another or different. So actually love is where you live. That's where you live, that's your residence. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So God is love and then to live in fellowship with him is to live in his love. He or she who is full of God's love and their love toward God and the Lord, their love toward one another is full of God. Why would I want just a little bit of Him if I could be totally full of Him? Is that what you want with all your heart? I mean, let's be remembered today as we pray. God bless you, each of you. <clears throat> let's just bow our heads, Heavenly Fathers, we've gathered here today, Lord, that we could worship and sing. And how moving songs are, Lord. We thank you for the songs today and the worship, Lord Jesus. When you come to this earth. There was no hill that was too hard for you to climb. There was no reproach so low that you wouldn't deal with it for us. We thank you for that. Lord God, we desire to be the type of people you'd want us to be where we can love in that same depth and degree of love. And as I said, it's inhuman. It is not human at all to love this way. To love this deeply, but we need your help, Lord. You saw the needs of your people that were signified by uplifting their hand. I pray that you'd be mindful of us today. Help me to get out of the way, Father. I need you so much. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd be mindful of those families who've lost loved ones in the last little bit. Lord, Sister Sam's passing over, and I pray that you'd be mindful of her family and help them, Lord, and Lord, Brother Calvin's slipping out and Also, now, Father, Brother Gene Littleton, we pray that you'd be mindful, the Lord of their family that's left behind, and we ask, dear God, that you would help each of us, that we can make preparation to meet them, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's read, if you would, there in, in verse 17. John goes on to say, Herein is our love made Perfect. So actually what we received when we come through the process of the new birth and we were justified by faith, sanctified, cleansed, and then filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what we received was not complete, but it was a little button. We know that the word here, perfect, does not mean sinless or without fault or flawed, But it's growing to a state of maturity to reach its height of what God wants it to be. John uses the word herein as our love made perfect. So when you got it, it wasn't in its perfect form. I believe I got saved whenever I was a 12-year-old boy. Sometime later, they began to talk about the Holy Ghost. So I went back to the altar. They started praying for me again. They was beating me on the back, you know, praying for me and praying for me. And one or two of them took their hands and you know, sort of like that. That's probably the way they thought this, helping me get the Holy Ghost. But all I done was bit my tongue several times as that was going on. But I do believe I got something. Like some of you that, that come out of Pentecost, you believe you had something. I believe that I got something. But I don't believe. I could have got the fullness of the token life under a Pentecostal message. I don't believe you can get it there. I don't believe you can get it in any other denominational system because it's controlled by man. But it must come under an even in time message to where we receive that fullness. Now that fullness does not come in just an instant, but it grows, it matures. Even the character of our Lord Jesus had to be developed. That's how far he condescended when he stepped down. You imagine moving from that realm of the Logos, moving from that realm where angels loved him, praised him, adored him. Nobody ever hated him or despised him. To come from that, to come down here, to where people called him Beelzebub, laughed at him, ridiculed him, mocked at him. Why was he doing that? In order to allow his human character, God never had a human character, until Christ come on the earth. So God wanted a human character. Isn't that strange? All of our life we want to become something other than human. And for millions and maybe billions of years, he wanted to become something other than God. But it couldn't be nothing any greater. So he wanted to become something less so he could take us in our fallen state and make us bigger than who we were. That's real love, brother, sister. Now, whenever we receive that, is it it that real genuine love? It is, but it's in seed form, and it's so small. And then John says, herein is our love made perfect, so it grows and it matures, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So perfect then is complete, and it's grown up. So our love still today, I don't know about yours, I think if you'd be honest, you'd say with me that my love is still in development. How many would say yours is still growing? You're learning to love more, you're learning how to forgive and learning how to put up with people. My main problem in life is not with donkeys. I've never had too many problems with donkeys. Had a few problems with dogs, not many really. Um, never have had a run in with an elephant. I got scared by one, real, one really bad one time in Africa. Uh, and whenever I was there, and it, and a big elephant, big tusker as they call him, got after us. And, and the guy that was there, he'd been there and done that before. So all he'd done was got his weapon up and went just like that. As soon as that elephant heard it, it stopped, turned, and went the other way. I've never had too many problems with elephants, zebras, any of that sort of thing. Most of my problems in life, as yeah, you've guessed it, been with human beings. Is that where most of yours have laid? Yes. Most of my problems has been with, uh, you know, with people, and, and that's the way, of course, that it's going to be. And I've, I've found out a long time ago that my character is going to reach a greater height of where God wants it to be by dealing with people. And some people probably say the same thing about me. Brother Donnie put me here in life so I would be a better man. Well, God bless you. I'm glad I'm good for something. So each of us, no doubt, have found people that just seem to push our buttons. And it's just something about them that they don't don't even really try maybe sometimes. But there's just something about them that just irritates us and just really bothers us. And there's other people you just can never be around them enough. You just so enjoy being around them and they put out this great atmosphere and you just think it's awesome. But yet we know those type of people generally aren't the ones that allowed us to be tried by. And it was the same with the Lord Jesus. Had he been totally surrounded by everybody that loved him, everybody that praised him, then part of his human character would have never reached that state of development that it needed to be. And you and I are gonna be exactly the same way. So our love then must reach a spot to where that it can be the same type of love that he had himself. So where are we at then? We're in the stages of development because, remember, I keep saying it, but love is like every other grace that God gives us. Love must be developed, unlike gifts. Now, gifts come, gifts can hit, they can miss, they can be right, they can be wrong. Believe me, I saw my share of them in Pentecost. Whenever you'd see one, and it would be right on. I mean exactly. And the very next person say that they'd call out, miss it a million miles, and then you say, how? How in the world can that be? Well, that's the way gifts can operate. But when it comes to love, it's not that it hits and misses. The thing with love is, it's the depth of the intensity that we have. And if you're thinking today in your mind, well, I've got to love people more. I've got to love people more. It's not just loving people more. It's loving him more. You see, the key is, the more we fall in love with him, the more we will find its automatic the more we love people around us. That's the way it was with him. So John three sixteen. of course, we all know by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Great love, is that right? Phenomenal love. And then 1 John three sixteen turns right round to become the manifestation of that love in the human heart. Now, Jesus says then in St. John 13, 34, read it with me. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Now, that's not new because the Old Testament, the Torah, told them that. So they're supposed to love their neighbor as they love themselves. So this is the standard, this is the foundation of the way the Torah is going to do. Now if you love your neighbor yourself and you treat them right, then all of the law is consummated in that. Because all the rest of them will feel for their place. Because they couldn't even do that without the right love for God. You see, we get it in, in, in its order, but we get the order misarranged sometimes. We that? Well, I've got to love everybody. Okay, okay, okay. I've got all that. What do I have to do to do it? Fall more in love with him. You see, if they loved him and they worshiped him and there was no other God before him and they loved him right, then that would help them in turn love their neighbor right and they would treat one another right. So notice Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. That's not new. Here's the new part, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now notice this, so what makes his commandment different is it's based upon a new standard, a new standard altogether. So the new standard is that we don't love one another as we love ourselves, but we love one another as he loves us. And how is that? Does Jesus love us when we're wrong? Does Jesus forgive us when we ask him to? Does Jesus care for those who hate him? This is the standard. So the standard then is not, okay, well, I love those that love me, and I'm good to those that are good to me, and those that treat me nice, I'll treat them nice back. You're no more than a sinner if that's all the love you have but the new standard is that we can love people on the basis of Jesus loving us. So he said, well, no, it's all based on merit. It's all based on what they do. No, it's not. It's not based on any of that at all. brother. Well, Don, you mean to tell me that you're telling us that we've got to love people that would absolutely hate us or kill us? Absolutely right. You see, that's the kind of love he had and that's the way he loved his own, not only his own, but he loved the world, the cosmos. So John three sixteen is not just primarily to the elect of God, the bride seed. God so loved the world. Well, that's cosmos, that's world order. But he loved the elect before the foundation of the world. So he didn't, wasn't even necessarily referring to you as cosmos, but you were part of him before there was ever a devil. You were part of him before there's ever any sin on the earth, is that right? So now he says, I want you all to love one another as I have loved you. Oh my goodness. So should I stop now and we make an altar call? (laughs) As I have loved you. So the context then points to the laying of the foundation of one another's lives for someone else. So Jesus then became the ambassador of this new kind of love. Now he didn't just come with a book under his arm and say, now here I'm gonna hand out this book and this is what y'all are supposed to do. But he actually did it first himself. Now, if you can get in your mind, he was the first human being that ever expressed this kind of love. It had never been expressed before. Adam had a, no doubt a great, great, fountain of love I honest with you I don't know exactly what Adam did have in the garden of Eden because whatever he had he could backslide from he could fall from people say well I, I want to go back to Adam well I don't I want to go farther back to where Adam was because whatever Adam had he lost it but I want something that I'll never lose don't you So no doubt it was great. It was paramount, whatever it was that he had, but he was never able to experience it. And when that image of God left him, then the very woman that he gave his kingdom for, he turned right around and said, God, the woman you gave me, she's the cause of all this anyway. So whatever it was, he lost it. He left it. So this is going to be the paramount sign of every true believer. Now I find this to be absolutely astonishing because as Jesus was the embodiment of God's love, then the elect of God are to be the embodiment of Christ's love. Now don't get in your mind I'm talking about this Laodicean, you know, (laughs) lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey type of stuff that everybody's going to heaven and we, we love everybody and we accept them the way they are. No, God wants to change people but we love them while they're in the process of being changed. Is that right? Now, the modern day, they talk about love, 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 and it's easy to see. They don't even know what kind of love they're talking about because they think that you can live any way you wanna live and everybody's still winding up going to heaven. There's only one way to heaven and that person's name is Jesus Christ. And if you love him, then you will do what he says do. It's just that simple. So the Lord Jesus is showing them, then this is going to be the sign wherein people will know that you are my disciples. Now self-love is the highest love that we are born with. We can't help it. It's just that, that we inherited by the fall. So the new commandment then will go absolutely contrary to self-love. Because self-love, if somebody does something to us, it's just in our human nature, we're going to get them back. It may take us a month, it may take us two, it may take us five or six years. But it's not, we hold that inside of us and we'll get them back if it's the last thing we do. That's why we got to be born again. So then we learn to live and learn to love in a standard of love that, as was our Lord Jesus, was Himself, which is self abandoning, self denying love. So Jesus says that you can't even be saved unless you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. I've said it many times before, I'll say it again, that the Lord Jesus spoke more about your cross than he spoke about his. So it must be pretty important, is that right? Now notice with me in verse 35. Now remember, these are not the words of a theologian, they're not the words of a preacher, they're the words of the Lord Jesus. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Now, I want you to notice he does not mention speaking in tongues. He does not mention healing, miracles, signs. Jesus don't speak contrary to his word. He could not say this here in St. John 13 and then go to Matthew 24, 24 and said there'll be anointed ones in the last days and they'll have signs and wonders. So if that is the sign of a true believer, there cannot be any false anointed ones. Isn't it amazing that Jesus does not say, because you all shout, this will be the one inevitable sign that people will know you are mine. Because you lay hands on the sick, this is the one sign, do you understand the sign he gave cannot be impersonated. Miracle signs, wonders can be impersonated. As a matter of fact, harvest time, December twenty-seven, sixty-four. 64, the prophet tells us Satan can hand out them supernatural gifts by the handfuls, but he can't do this. Oh my, so you mean there's one sign in all of Christianity that is a dead giveaway that you had passed from death unto life? Well, according to the Lord Jesus. Notice, by this shall all men know. Now people want the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And, and people want to know, how, how can I know? How can I be sure? Well, here's the man who gave the Holy Ghost, I reckon he would know. So by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. But yet it can't be the kind of love that Laodicea specializes in. Oh, we love everybody. We love everybody. Yeah, they they say that until you give them a little bit about the word and you cross them a little bit. (laughs) Let me tell you something, friends. As a pastor, just take my word for this. I will know folks in a way you don't even know them because when I cross them, I see the real them. Oh my, yeah, then you go to see all kinds of feathers getting ruffled and you're not sure if they're buzzard feathers, if they're scavenger feathers. They're saying they're eagle feathers but their temperament sure don't match it. Now I want you to notice that in the first century on up to the second century, that the historians of the day, they noticed great things about the children of God. Now, there was great signs and wonders, of course, that the early church did, but it was not that that distinguished the Christians apart from other things. Now, they did make note, of course, of the signs and the wonders and the miracles, but down through the annals of history, it was not just the miraculous and the supernatural that they noted about these Christians that was so great. This is one of the ones I'd like to read to you today, that the heathen would say it this way, they love one another, they are ready to lay down their lives for each other. Now this was a common saying among the heathen then, that they would say about Christians, now, it wasn't by the jaw that they said, boy, have you seen how when you go to their meetings, how they shout? Boy, have you noticed them women's hair, how long it is? Have you noticed them men, how they don't dress like women? And have you noticed all of that? But what stood out to them the most, the most outstanding thing was how they loved one another and they were willing to die for each other. No wonder when the prophet went beyond the curtain of time and he said to lay aside everything until you get perfect love. Now how this has changed in Christianity down through the years. So what are Christians known by now? Well for many of them, well I go to this church, I belong to this, I belong to that. That's not what I'm asking you. How are you known? Well, I, I, Brother Donnie, I'm a woman, I got long hair. I've known many women with long hair. Got a big old long tongue, about that long to match it too. Well, praise the Lord, I gotta be honest with you, some men's worse gospers than women are. Well, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you see, it was a rabbinical way that rabbis, rabbis, they, they chose their followers. The people never chose to follow a rabbi, but rabbis chose their followers. And each rabbi would have his own little special doctrinal view about this and that and the other. Most of the the disciples were Pharisees, so they were under Pharisaic teaching and the rabbis of the Pharisees. But yet, each rabbi then would have his own little identification of the way his disciples would dress and do and behave. So God had told them that they would take a, a ribband, R-I-B-B-A-N-D, a ribband of blue, and they would wear that on the bottom of their garments. So when you saw a man or woman that had this little bit of blue on the bottom, you knew immediately that they were a Jew. But certain rabbis then would enlarge that border and say some of them would make it the hand breaths. And then others would make it a cubit, which would be around 18 inches. So you knew when you saw that individual that they belonged to this rabbi. Now, those of you that have ever seen Jews, if you've been to New York City or you've been to Israel or any place where you've got a conglomeration of a bunch of Jews gathered together, and you'll see some men that wear a big hat about this big. And it's made out of long wool. It'll be about this tall, something like that. And it sets down on top of their head, real shimmery and shiny. And it looks sort of like a bear's coat. Is sort of what it looks like. And then you know when you see that, they belong to a certain uh, teaching from Europe. Most of them come from the Ukraine. But they come from under the teaching of a certain rabbi. Then you will see others, they will have a total different hat. And then others will have the little curly cues that come down on the side of their face. Now that is an identification that when you look at them, you know, oh, they belong to Rabbi so-and-so and they belong to Rabbi so-and-so, so they follow his teaching. Well, here the Lord Jesus, and they did call him Rabbi, the Lord Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now that was the way rabbis did. But he said, I'm going to give you all an identification that is different than Pharisees, Sadducees, seen uh, uh, Zealots, I, I'm going to give you one that's going to be so different that you are going to stick out so much, Now, having been there in Israel a few years ago, and you would see the Orthodox, and you would see the Ultra-Orthodox, and you, we, we was able to go in the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem near where they were, so you see all these Jews coming and going, and many of the women, you see them in long dresses, just like our sisters wear, but one thing that you you'll notice about some of them according to the rabbi they come from under is that the women will shave their hair and they wear wigs. Now that's under the teaching of a particular rabbi or a particular teaching. So they are known by what they put on on the outside. So the men will dress in black and they will go to the, when they go to the wailing wall, which we were there, the men on the left-hand side, the women on the right-hand side, and I was able to go back into the ancient part of it still sitting there and there was those Jews. There was the young and old and the Herodie and the different ones and they're sitting there and as they're reading the Psalms, they're sitting there like this because they think you cannot read the word without being stimulated. Well, if an Old Testament does that, what ought the New Testament do to us? So, and it's amazing because me being a Gentile, they would not let me and the other brothers that I were with, they would not let us walk down to the wailing wall unless we put a little cap over the top of our head. Now we're on their turf, so if we're gonna come in to their place, then we've gotta put that on our head. Now for others, that would not be enough. They would rather, I would have one of them wooly hairs on, I've got enough wool on the top of my head anyway, I don't need another one. But each one of them, so you look, and there was a little group over here, and they had one hat on. Here's another little group, and that never have another hat. But they knew each other by the way they looked. Now, Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do to you all. I, as your rabbi, I am going to give you an identification which has never been given to any other disciples since the fall of man. It won't just be the length of your dress. It won't just be the church that you go to, but it will be a mannerism and a way about you which is so divine that even sinners will be able to know there's something different about you. They may not agree with you and they may not understand you, but by this, Jesus said, all men will know. So they're not guessing. So it makes me wonder, friends, how far we've missed the real sign of what God wants us to be. Amen. Now want you notice this, then that the followers of the great teachers would have this distinctive mark. Notice what Jerome, the historian, said. Jerome refers to the well-known saying of St. John at Ephesus. Now this was John saying, "This is the Lord's commandment. If you love one another, it is enough." Wow, boy, that sure wouldn't be enough for us, would it? I mean, we got so many doctrines and we split hairs and divide the hairs and then we split the splits off the splits of the hairs and we divide the splits off the splits off the divides. Man alive, you know, we get down there. But so it makes me wonder how much of our hearts has been turned back to the teaching of our apostolic fathers. Well, praise the Lord. So it was such an outstanding love, and here's Jerome quoting John, that John said at Ephesus, remember that's where he was from there, this is the Lord's commandment, if you love one another, it is enough. He said that sounds so simple, but it's much harder to do than it sounds. So you see, falling in divine order, you cannot love one another the way you're supposed to until you love God the way you're supposed to love him. And if you love him the way you're supposed to love him, then all the do's and the don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not, that comes right with it too. But a lot of people try to keep the thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt and thou shalt not and do's and the don'ts, and they try to keep all of that without loving him right. And then after a while, they just get bored out with all the do's and the don'ts. Well, I don't wanna do it no more. I don't blame you, I wouldn't wanna do it without him either. But if you love him right, then the do's and the don'ts, it ain't a burden. It ain't torment, my goodness, I'm glad I live the way that I live. I'm glad, what about you? I'm glad that I live a separated life from the world. It's not this burden, oh my, Brother Donnie can only have one wife. Well, with the one I've got, why would I want another one? Why in the world would I wanna have three or four wives or a wife and a girlfriend? I wanna stand here today and tell you, my wife is my girlfriend and has been for 50 years and I love her now more than I've ever loved her. Why, because of law, because I'm afraid I'll go to hell? No, because she's such a great woman, she's a godly woman and our love is getting stronger and stronger, that's the way I feel about the Lord Jesus. Well, I'd love to live for him but it's just so hard, I gotta quit this and I gotta give up that, you're looking at it in the wrong way. If you fall in love with him, you realize the devil ain't got nothing out here that is greater than the love Jesus can give you and what Jesus can and wants to do for you. Notice this historian called Tholuck, T-H-O-L-L-U-C-K refers to Tertullian's declaration. Now this was an early century preacher. They love before they know each other. But human love is we have to know each other. And then the more we know about each other, the less we do love. But God says, boy, I didn't know she was that way. I didn't know he was that way. I never got involved with him. You know how human relationships are, right? But yet this was what stuck out to the historians in so much that this historian would write this of Tertullian and say they love before they know each other. Lucian, tell by the name he was a Roman historian, and Lucian, this, notice what Lucian said about our brothers and sisters, our founding church. Their master makes them believe they are brothers. <laughs> I believe we still got the same master. Notice how the outsider now would, would look at it. And they couldn't understand this stuff. Because remember in the first, second, third, fourth century, we're talking about under the Roman Empire, it was an age of so, so much self-indulgence. Whatever felt good, whatever thought you wanted to do, do it, well, just do it. all oh, they were so liberal because it was emerging together, of course, of the Greek Empire before that, wind up in the Roman Empire. Every empire has totally annihilated itself from within, which is why our nation's where she's at now. That's why there's no hope for our nation as a whole because it is rotten from the very core. We don't have to worry about the Japanese. We don't have to worry about Hamas coming over here and taking us over. We have been annihilated from within our own ranks. May God help us, it don't happen to us in the message. Notice then, so Lucian looking at it as an outsider, you can tell this guy did not understand the Holy Ghost. He did not understand. Now he's looking at it from just the mind perspective and what he had heard. No doubt the man had heard them talk about love and and heard them talk about loving one another. And the way he looked at it, it was so strange and he identified the Lord Jesus as their master. Their master makes them believe they are brothers. So as long as this type of love was prevalent in the first church age, they were totally unstoppable. There was not enough lions that could kill it. There wasn't enough fire that could stop it. There was not enough Neros. There was not enough Hadrians. There was not enough emperors on the earth to stop it. So Satan knew he had to attack something. It was their love. Revelation chapter two verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, the complaint of God God against the Ephesian church age, because thou hast, Now, many, many people quote this wrong. They say lost. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says left. If you lose something, you may or may not find it, and you may or may not know where it is. But if you left something intentionally and you left it on your table or you left it in your bedroom, then you know how you're gonna get it back? You're gonna have to go back to your bedroom, back to your table, back to the altar to be able to find where you left it. Now this age had run, oh my, so beautifully for so many years. For about 20 years or so, they were the alpha bride, the type of the seed which was gonna be sown in the beginning in the alpha stage and it would be harvested in the omega stage in the end time. For 20 years, they had a world-shaking revival as it were. The very deity of God was among them. They healed the sick like Jesus. They raised the dead like Jesus. They cast out devils like Jesus. But yet they done greater. They loved the way he loved. So from within their human temple proceeded divine love, which was God's own love himself. And Satan must have hated them How they got along and they would settle their differences and they loved one another and they would forgive one another and they would reach out to the lost and they would do everything that they did was on the basis, not of personality. It was not based on, well, this man or that man. It was one basis of their foundation and that was divine love. And Satan said, I hate this stuff. I hate it. So his goal was, if I can get them away from loving God right, the church will lose its power. They won't have as many miracles and signs. He said, what he wants us to do? He wants us to focus on getting the signs back first. We got the cart before the horse. Amen. Let's fall in love with him first. And then true gifts will manifest themselves, and it won't be based upon selfishness, or this great man, and that great man, and this great church, there ain't no great ones among us, only one, and that's the Lord Jesus, (laughs) hallelujah. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now please, keep this in your mind. Such love is not human. You cannot do this, I cannot do it. It's totally impossible. My mother and father could not hand this down to me. It's impossible for a human to love with divine love, unless divine love from God comes within their soul. So as we love God who we don't see, that unseen power develops in us a perfect love to help those that we do see. How many of y'all's all ever seen God? Anybody ever seen his face, his hand, his foot? None of you, and yet you love a being that you've never even seen, right? How many wants to love him more? Well, why are you gonna love his eyes? Is it his feet you're going to love more? What do we want to love more about him? His nature, his character, what he is, what he does, what he says. That's who he is. So we don't love him then, and we don't judge him, and we don't base our love upon what we see. But yet, that's the way we love others. Well, did you see her the way she done me? Did you see him the way he done me? Did you see so-and-so? They never even spoke to me. So you love God in the realm of the unseen. But we base our love for one another totally on the realm of the seen, the felt, the touched. Yes, right. Come on. Now, whether or not you like it, everybody you go to church with is flogged. Right. And that's why you're so welcome here because you're just like all the rest of us. Now, as I said last Sunday, if you do find a perfect church, please don't go there, because you'll mess it up. And they won't want me as a pastor, because I'm not perfect, and I'd sure mess it up. But isn't it amazing how that we give everything, we give absolutely everything to an unseen being. Now, would it bother some of you if Jesus would have been black? Would it bother some of y'all if Jesus would have been a Chinese? Well, if you're a racist, it would. Oh Lord, oh dear God, I could have never served Jesus if he had been black. I wouldn't care if he's pink or purple. I'm not going by what I've seen. I love him because of who he is and what he done and what he done for me. And you get the Holy Ghost, all this race stuff will fly out the window. Oh my, come on, somebody. Then, if you're a white man, you can grab a hold of a black man or a black brother and you can hug his neck because you got the Spirit of God inside of you. Come on, somebody. It don't make no difference if you're an Asian, a Chinese, a Japanese, or whatever more you are. We have the same love of God in our hearts for one another. See, this kind of love can only be depart, given to us, imparted by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, where love rules, it looses us from under the law of condemnation. And this is why the, the word inside of us becomes the very law or nature that we're guided by. Then we are become partakers, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we are become partakers of the divine nature so we can love as he loves. We can forgive as he forgives. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, notice as, as an apple tree will bring forth oranges. And a preached tree will bring forth pumpkins. Oh, you made a mistake, Brother Donnie. No, I said that intentionally. But that's the way some Christians are. They're a peach tree, they say, and yet they bring forth pumpkin attitudes. They come to church and they act like a big old fat pumpkin sitting there in the chair, they don't ever clap their hands, they don't ever praise the Lord, they don't ever worship God. Well, it is too hot in there, I understand, I'm about to burn up right now myself, but you think I'm gonna stop preaching cause it's hot? you think I'm gonna stop preaching because it ain't going good? This might be my last opportunity to come to the house of God. I'm gonna give it everything i got. Oh, praise the Lord, I I don't know when it will be my last time to come to the house of God, Brother Joe. I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna pray. Oh, hallelujah, you feel the same way? Why, because I want an attitude that matches my God. I've not come to worship the thermostat. I've not come looking for a perfect temperature. I've come to be encouraged. I've come to be healed. I've come to be uplifted by the power of God. so I refuse, I refuse to let time and people control me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Watch this. You know, as I go on in time, I'm beginning to realize why a lot of folks have turned away from this message that we so love and why they just don't want it. The bottom line is they can't live it. This message brings the simple truths of the Bible in such an everyday way and scope of life that if you're not even a theologian, you'd be able to understand it. That is, if you want to. Notice this. Let me tell you today, my dear friends, the greatest thing there is, this side of heaven, and he spells it, L-O-V-E, Divine love. The greatest thing this side of heaven. Again, the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience, meekness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit, that's the mark of the Holy Spirit showing that divine love has anchored in the heart and the things of the world is dead. So, you see, the thought of the more love you get, the more you can do in the world is totally opposite of the truth. Fall in love with him, and the things of the world will just fall off automatically. Why? Because your priorities change, and you realize, well, what I, well I thought I could never give this up. I could never give that up. But he gives you something so much greater than what Satan gives you, saying, my goodness, this is absolutely nothing. His word is so wonderful. His presence is so awesome. Why in the world would I have always wanted to serve him? Notice again, he said, if you've still got malice and envy and strife, you might run, dance, spoke in tongues, shouted, preach the gospel or anything, but you're lost. Lord have mercy. Until that blood has cleansed you and set in a divine love of the Lord Jesus, not for, but of the Lord Jesus, Christ in your heart, in your life, it speaks of Christ behind you. Well, Brother Dine, I've got to pray more. I've, I've got to read more. I've got to go to church more. I've got to read my Bible. So I, I, I'll be able to get this kind of love. No. He gives it to us. Amen. Then he molds us and he shapes us. And he lets that love in us start growing. And you love beyond your boundary. You, you actually start loving beyond your expectation. You start loving beyond your comprehension of what love even is. And then you start living in this land of love and dwelling in that. And you say, I would have never thought I could have forgiven that brother. I would have never thought I could have forgiven that sister. Well, you find what it is. You're growing in the image of God. Notice, oh my, where there's trunks, They shall cease. Whether it's prophecy, it shall fail. Whether it's knowledge, it shall be vanished. And when that which is perfect has come, that which is part has done away. You Christians always be willing to lend a hand to do something, to help somebody, to make it more pleasant for them. You say, well, I don't have any gift of healing. You don't have to have. At least offer something. Offer a prayer. Do something, make them feel, do the best you can. Never turn, a brother from India sent me this quote yesterday and I just shared it all over the world. I thought it was so wonderful. Never turn a shoulder, a cold shoulder. Now maybe I need to walk off the platform and finish this. Never turn a cold shoulder to anyone, no matter what it is, even if they've mistreated you Do it anyhow. Now don't raise your hands, but I wonder how many of us are pretty good at that cold shoulder thing. But you know, that's really sad because that's not a disciple sign. So if Jesus would have said, now I'm, I'm your rabbi, now this is what I want you to do. Whenever people don't treat you good, I want you to, Now that's the way people will know that you're following me. See so just get really good at it. <laughs> To me it's so sad that we're really good at something that's so bad. <laughs> anybody besides me in here ever give anybody a cold shoulder? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Well, you sisters that didn't raise your hand and your brothers, y'all come up here and take my notes and go ahead and finish this sermon then. I'm not worthy to sit set among you. <laughs> wow, but why would we give anyone a cold shoulder? Cause it's in our nature. I'll listen what he said, even if they mistreated you, do it anyhow if you can't do it from your heart then you ought to come to the altar and stay till that spirit comes in you that from your heart you can love those who doesn't love you and everybody said Lord help me (laughs) listen friend that's when God will answer your prayer. For as long as there's anything in your heart, if I see a nickel in my heart, then God will not hear me. That's what David said. And that's true. He won't hear you. Wow. So, Brother Donnie, well, I get it by fasting. Well, I get it by reading my Bible. Well, well, I get it by praying more. It may be a combination of all those things if that's what God deals with you about. But what you want to focus on is not getting more gifts and more emotion. That comes with it. But you want to focus on getting more of the giver himself. And the more of the giver that we get inside of our lives, it's like he pushes his virtue and nature out of us and goes to touching people that you meet every day. This is your badge of a true disciple. Someone told me the other day of someone that embraced the message and had come to the message and they left a denomination and they've been around for a bit. And they started getting on social media and what they started finding was people of the message that was fussing and arguing and fighting and debating and just back and forth and back and forth. And these people come to the pastor of the church or they'd went to and said, we don't understand. That's exactly the way they done in the church we come out of. We thought you all had love. Testing, one, two, three, testing, one, two. <laughs> oh, my. Notice the prophet goes on to say, now what is the church is liking is divine love? I don't mean affectionate love. This is what the Laodicean preachers specialize in when they're preaching love. They're not preaching divine love at all. They're preaching affectionate love. So just touching everybody and rubbing everybody. Oh, God bless you, God bless you. And they think that's love. So they welcome everybody to their church that they do anything and everything and they don't preach the truth. How can you love anybody? And you see them going down a river and the boat they're in is going over the falls and you say you love them and you stand there and wave at them as they go down. That ain't love. Real love is corrective. But affectionate love will hold back truths. Divine love will always put truth first. With wisdom, yes. So you see, we don't want to just love with human affection. People don't understand compassion. They think compassion is human sympathy. The Lord Jesus, you believe he had compassion? Yet he walked among a crowd of people one day, and the Bible says there was many laying there, halt, crippled, blind. And the Lord Jesus walks to a man that is called impotent, which had an affliction for 38 years. It wasn't gonna kill him. He'd had it all this time. It wasn't near as major as many other people that were there. But he walked straight to that man, and brings healing to that man and walks straight out of that crowd of people and doesn't heal another individual. Our modern day theologians look at that and say, "Well, that ain't love, that ain't love. You know why they say that? Because they don't understand love. Love with compassion, godly compassion is doing the will of God. Notice this, he said, I don't mean affectionate love, I mean agapeo love, the godly love, and have it so richly in your heart till so you just love the Lord and everything. You just take his word for it, and you don't mistrust him. Yeah. Again, he says, We love thee with unchangeable love. Twenty-five years ago, you placed that divine love in my heart, Lord Jesus. Notice now it grows sweeter. Praise the Lord. It grows sweeter every day. I'm so happy that we grow in the Lord. Amen. Till we become in the full statue, the measure, the statue of Christ. You say, I love the Lord, but can you trust Him when well, the doctor shakes his head? Can you trust Him when everything else is gone? You need an overflowing baptism of love. I'm going to be honest and raise your hand before God and say, "God, I really believe that's what I need. I need a baptism of love." Isn't it amazing, though? Most why is it that so many would want a baptism of power, a baptism of the anointing to lay hands on the sick? I believe in that too, children. We've got so many sick among us, I believe in that. But if we can get our divine love right, I will guarantee you, you mark it down. If we get our love right in this church, we will see more healings, more miracles than we've ever seen in our life. But it will not be on the basis of us seeking gifts first, but it will be on the basis of us seeking the giver and being able to be a true disciple. And people can say, I don't understand what they believe. I don't understand the way they dress. But I'll tell you one thing, I ain't never seen a people with such godly love in my life. Let that be my badge as a disciple. Let it be my identification that when I get around people, they can feel the love of God oozing out of me. May they be able to sense there's something different. Is that what you want as a believer? Every child of God here today, that ought to be the very thing we want more than anything else. Oh my. Let me close with this and handwriting on the wall. If I had every gift in the Bible and could exchange it for love, I'd never wink an eye. I'd take it right now. Let me feel the blessings of the Lord Jesus, his divine love in my heart that's shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. I'll exchange any gift in the Bible for that. And the church said, Amen. oh, you say I've spoken tongues. I don't have nothing to do with that. I've shouted. That still don't have nothing to do with it. Paul said I could speak in tongues like men and angels and still be lost. Do we believe that, friends? Still be lost. I could have faith to move mountains and still be lost. And in it, if the divine love of God isn't in your heart to take everything of the world out, notice the divine love of God will take everything of the world out. It don't allow you to keep everything. The divine love of God itself will drive it out. Hallelujah. That's right. Listen to this. The divine love of God isn't in your heart to take everything of the world out. You're lost. The devil's only deceiving you. Paul said, whether there's tongues, have will cease. Whether there's prophecies, it'll fail. Whether there's all these signs, the antichrist can produce any sign that's in the Bible. But listen, what you can do That the Antichrist can't, but he cannot love. So you say, I lay hands on the sick and they recover. The Antichrist can do the same thing. I have miracles. The Antichrist can do the same thing. But he can't love. Let's stand together. He cannot love, there's nothing about him to love. Agapeo love is divine love and when the divine love is in your heart, there is a difference in your life and everybody knows it. That's right. You live like a Christian, act like a Christian, walk like a Christian and your whole system is timed to God's Bible. Oh, hallelujah, how many loves him with all of your heart. Is that what you want? Yeah. I quote this to you Wednesday night, but let me read it to you this morning. After this morning, the Holy Spirit so beautifully coming down and bathing us. Listen to these terms. Bathing us in his great beauty. Bathing us in his great beauty. Oh, my I was just inspired to speak them words and say that some glorious day all the gifts that's in the church will be set aside on the mantle as it was. And the Holy Spirit himself will just take the church in such a control of divine love until the sick will be healed. The blind will see. The lame will walk. And what I find amazing is there's an element of brothers in the message that will try to take some of these quotes and say, well, when divine love comes in, we ain't got no more healing. You need to read this one along with that one you're reading. He don't do away with healing. Come on, divine healing is a down payment of the resurrection. Oh my, the Holy Spirit himself. Don't you understand the difference? A gift is him taking that gift and using it. But what he wants is this, that he himself does it. Because you know how we are. If this certain preacher prays for us, it's nearly impossible for us to keep from thinking very highly of that man. And then if we're not careful the next time we get sick, we'll want that same man to pray for us again and again and again and again. It's just the way we are as humans. But can you imagine if the Holy Ghost can so get inside of our church, not just ours, but everyone that wants this will take such control of divine love until the sick will be healed. The blind will see. The lame will walk without being hands laid on them. It'll just be one great unity, praise God. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be awesome? Sort of reminds me of that 20 year or so span in the early church when the Holy Ghost was so moving among them. It was not no big great preachers and this great person and that great person. It was the anointing of the lion himself the person of Jesus anointed, and they were the extension of his body. So what's this message come to do anyway? Just bring us a bunch of doctrines. Make us dress different. Just make us act a little different, have strange ideas of what the people say. Is that all it's for? It's to replicate that original church. Amen. I've got one more. Can I have your permission to read it? I was going to do it without it anyway, but it's just nice when y'all smile and say, I can't. Oh, if the Pentecostal church would only satisfy thirst in God instead of trying to follow some evangelist or some emotion or some little ism, a little sensation, how much better off they'd be? You'd follow the Holy Spirit in divine love instead of sensations and little gifts and things like that. How much better off you'd be. God don't want you to run after gifts. He wants you thirst after him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, if you get him, you get all the gifts. Your sisters meet a fine young man and you go to date him, and he buys you chocolates and roses, and carnations, and daffodils, and all kinds, they said, oh, don't never stop that. Please bring on the flowers, sis. Get him, and you'll keep getting flowers. Oh, no, Brother Donna, they stopped doing that. I still open the car door for my wife after 50 years. If you brothers don't do it, you need to fall in love with her again. Same with the Lord Jesus. If we get him, then he says, Lord, you're gonna stop the chakra," He said, goodness, no, I've got more now that I wanna give you. You're gonna stop the supernatural, Lord. You're gonna stop the blessing. We've been taught, Lord, if we get divine love, you're gonna stop gifts. He said, whoever told you that lied to you. I wanna do more than I've ever done. I want healing to be so great. It'll be so phenomenal and so great. The very next step will be you simply stepping into a new body. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! You simply stepping into a new body. Not stop divine healing. Not stop the supernatural. Not stop miracles. Miss Barrett. Glory. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd forgive us, preacher if we focus more on the gifts and we have the giver if we focus more on emotion and stirring the people somehow Lord I believe with many many men they want revival so bad among their people and among the message folks we don't want to see them dead and dry spirit of God not moving among us Help us to keep the balance, Lord, to realize if if it's not based upon your word and real divine love, it won't last. Someone asked Moody one time, how long revivals last and do they last? He said, yes, they do last. The individual said, well, how come you have to keep on having them? He said, did you take a bath before you come to church? The man said, yes. He said, well, you have to take another one. He said, yes. He said, question answered. So Lord, revivals come, and then they'll tend to wane a little bit, and then they'll die off, and what for? So we're going to have another one, and another one, and another one. But if we can get divine love and keep falling in love with you more every day of our life and falling in love with one another, And even if the church is going through a little bit of a lull, we're not ready to quit and walk away and backside and go back to the world because our love for you is just as great as it was when everybody was hanging from the chandeliers, as we'd say. Because our walk with you isn't just based upon a revival coming and going. It's based upon our love for you, your love for us, and our love for one another. I pray for this church today, Father. I pray you would help me as the pastor. Help me that I can display divine love. Help me that I can be the kind of preacher, Lord God, that no matter where I'm at, that people can sense something different. I don't care whether they think I'm a great preacher or not, whether I'm a theologian or not, I ain't. Whether they think I'm this or that or the other. If they can just sense you, my life will not have been lived in vain. But that don't just apply to the preacher. It applies to each of us. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Would you pass by this way today, Lord, and give us a great baptism of love. To we will just fall in love with you more than ever before. Praise God. I wonder how many here today would just raise your hand and just say it to Him, Lord. That's what I want. Would you? That's what you want in your heart today, Lord. That's what I want. More love. More consecration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just close our eyes now for just a few minutes in His presence. Let His holy presence just move among us now. Hallelujah, Father. In the name of Jesus. Lord, some of these saints, I look at them, they've been serving you for decades. But I'd say if they'd be honest, they'd still like to have more and more. Hallelujah. Lord God, we want to live in such a way that if death goes to moving in our house, like Sister Sims the other day, Brother Calvin, Brother Gene, Brother Darren telling me how that he left his family there with him, most of them went home and Brother Darren there and they all spent time with him, crying around him, telling him how much they loved him. Brother Darren laid down to rest a little bit. Mother Gene just slipped away. Facing man's greatest fear. And he faced it with peace. That's what we want, Lord God. But Lord God, I don't want to just have peace when I'm dying. I want it now. I don't want just a religion to die by. I want one to live by. I want to torment every hell every day I'm here. I want to do everything I can to help people, Lord. They may never darken this door. That don't make no difference. I got more goodness and more kindness than just for this people here. I'm going to be kind wherever I go. I'm going to say a kind word. If I can sense in people's spirit that they're down and weary, even if it's somebody at the drive-thru, I'm going to say a little something to try to lift them up because I was called to help people, Lord. May each of us realize that today, Father. We are tapped into a great resource of love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness Oh, Jesus, I believe you gave me the Holy Ghost as a boy. I believe the token moved into my soul in an experience that I did not have in Pentecost. Lord God, today I'm asking for something, Lord, that'll come upon me afresh. A new, Lord God, a baptism of love. Of divine love, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, that I could love those a man that would have a gun pointed in my face with a hammer cocked back with his finger on the trigger and I could look at him with love and say, I forgive you for what you are about to do. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, we worship you today, Lord. We worship you, Father. How many wants that with all of your heart? Would you just raise your hands to him? Give it to me, Lord. Give it to me, Lord. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. You young people. We're trying to have meetings for you. We're trying to have banquets for you and things that will help you. But let me just tell you, you'll never get nothing greater than what you've heard right here today. Because there is nothing greater than you'll get than divine love. In so much that our prophet said it'll take it to get there. God will not require every one of you to cast out devils. That's not the requirement. He'll not require every one of you to jump and shout. That's not the requirement. But there's one thing every person must have. Divine love. Divine love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love through me here. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I have a sister here that passed out in the church. EMS is here checking her out back in the room back there. Let's just pray for her right now. Let's just join our hearts together. Sister Oliver, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, dear God, for our sister. May the Spirit of God move for her right now, Lord. We thank you for medical doctors. We thank you for all that that they can do. May the presence of God to go to her right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We not only have a medical room and nurses and all that here, we've got Band-Aids and all sorts of things back there, but we got more than that. we got a great divine healer. In the name of Jesus, may you go to our sister father. Touch her, I pray, Lord. Let's sing it together. Praise the Lord. Can we just sing a little bit before we go? Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Father. Lead us, Harry. Sing it now with all your heart.
1: Holy Spirit, flow through me. This is what he wants to be. I will be. Your house to dwell in flow through me. I will be that good some.
0: I need prayer. Brother Donnie, what do you need? More of Jesus. I want more of his love. I need his ability to help me, to guide you. Can you imagine the responsibility that weighs upon my soul? Knowing that hundreds of you, thousands around the world, consider this church their home church because they don't have one to go to. Don't you think it scares me to death knowing I've got to stand before God? If I had to stand before God and give an account for that one little boy right there, that's enough to scare you. I need your prayers like never before. I've never asked you for your money. I've never asked you for those things. But I don't mind telling you, I don't mind asking you to pray for me. That God will help me. To be able to love, yes, like him. May it be said about our church, if Lucian was alive, if the rest of these historians were alive and they would write something about us, may they be able to say their master makes them believe they're brothers. Would you join these brothers as they lay hands on me and pray for me? Help me. Lord God, help me. Lord, I need more of your love. Oh, Jesus, help me, Father. I thank you for all that you've done for us. But, Lord, I need more. I want more of your love, more of your forgiveness, more of your mercy in my heart to lead your people. Oh, God, help me, Father. I can't do this, Lord. The work is too great. It's beyond me, Lord. Oh, Father, may our church be known, Lord, as a church that has the love of God. Oh, Jesus, may your presence so fill each one of our hearts and our souls. Lord, that the love of God will be our badge. It won't just be our outside dress. It won't just be quotes. It won't just be our doctrine. But, oh, God, it'll be your love. It'll be so profound, Father. Help me, Jesus. Keep me in your grace. Keep me in your mercy, Lord. I need your Father, like never before. Give me of your wisdom. Give me of your revelation. Oh, yes, I need that, Father. But baptize me, Lord. Baptize me with the love of God. Help me, Lord, that I can have such love in my heart that I've never had before. A love for you, a love for your people, a love for the lost, a love for the backslider, a love feel the same way now church can we pray for them also pray for those that aren't here today father god we thank you for every minister that you put among us lord we want our ministry to be based upon love not upon favoritism not upon legalism but upon the love of god jesus anoint these brothers father i pray give them such a baptism of love father the deacons the trustees the song leaders, the musicians, every one of us, Father, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the love of God so baptize us, Lord Jesus, Hallelujah. Father that will forgive, will love. Hallelujah. May you emanate Hallelujah. out of our lives, Lord. Lord. Grant it out. Make a man of great love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Make a man of great love. Father.
2: Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will be that good some day it whispers, draw closer to me, leave this world far behind, there are new heights to climb. what I'll be willing to do. And whatever it takes to be more like you, that's what I'll be the dearest things to me if that's how it must be to draw me closer to Thee let the disappointment Lonely days without the sun in through sorrow, more like you I become. Lord, whatever it takes to draw closer. I'll be with you
2: service here today. You appreciate the word of the Lord. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Amen. Amen. Well, we just keep falling in love with the Lord. All these other things will take their place, won't they? We fall in love with him. We'll be all right. Praise the Lord. I certainly enjoyed being in this service here today. I know you have too. I want to welcome again our brother and sister that have taken up residence here. We just want you to feel at home because You're very welcome here. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's sing that little song just before. As you leave today, shake hands with somebody around you. I keep falling in love with you. I keep falling in love with you over and over. Oh, Lord.